Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. So, Father, we pray that you give us understanding of the life beyond the grave. We pray that you give us the understanding that Paul sought out in Philippians 3 when he says that I could know the power of his resurrection, that that would be a reality in my life, that it not be religion, that it would not be rituals, that it would not be just ceremony and fanfare, but that it would be an understanding that allows me to walk in a manner more intimate according to your desire that we draw close to you. So pray, Father, we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that we might walk as you want us to walk and live as you want us to live and that we might attain what you say in John 10 10 that the thief cometh but to steal kill and destroy but you have come to give us life and give us it more abundantly so we pray father God that you fulfill your word and that the power of resurrection would not be a historical event today that it would be an actual reality in each day moment of our lives that our thoughts and our words would be consumed with this new life incorruptible and that your word would prosper in the hearts of your people as a good seed planted in good hearts that gives forth good fruit be glorified lord through our lives and allow us to move in the direction of your goodness and your mercy we rebuke satan and we cast him out in jesus name that he stop occupying the hearts of god's people and driving them to further darkness and destruction. We pray that you would be glorified and exalted and that our life would be so abundant in Christ that it would be contagious to those people that are around us, that when we come across them, they might live eternally. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So there in John 20, verse 1, we know that the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early in the morning. And being at the tomb while it was still dark in the morning, she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now the events of the resurrection are powerful in of themselves, aside from everything else God gives us in his word. And I I could just relive that moment that they were going back to the tomb, but their thoughts were to give the body a dignified burial, to be able to, to witness and, and maybe adorn the tomb like many do at the uh, symmetries today. Verse 2 says, so she ran, and when she saw the stone removed, she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples. Um, John, whom Jesus loved and esteemed, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Continue listening. Uh, thinking in the natural it was supernatural for them to have experienced the life beyond the grave here they witness the natural things God is doing the supernatural the Bible says that Peter and the other disciple left and they were going to the tomb and the two were running together but the other disciple outran Peter I think John was younger so he went faster and arrived at the tomb first. Verse 5 says, As he stooped down and looking in, 
he saw linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Verse 6, then Simon Peter came up following him and went into the tomb and saw the linen wrappings neatly lying there and the burial face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the other linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciples who had reached the tomb first went in too, and he saw the wrappings and the face cloth and believed without any doubt that Jesus had risen from the dead. For as of yet, verse 9, they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Verse 10, then the disciples went back again to their own houses, to their own homes. And there the whole account of Mary and her coming into contact with Jesus and and she has evidence of the fact that he is risen. In verse 19 of that same chapter, it says, so it was on the evening later on in the day of that same day, the first day of the week, though the disciples were meeting behind barred doors for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace to you. After that, he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with great joy. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you as my representatives. Verse 22. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained and remain unforgiven because of their unbelief. Uh, Later on in this chapter, Thomas shows up, verse 24, and he wasn't with them when Jesus had been there. Verse 25, the other disciples kept telling him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, I'm not believing you until I see the hands of his nail marks on his hands and put a finger into the nail prints, but my hand and put my hand in his side, I will never believe. That's why he's called the doubting Thomas. Um, the other disciples had seen Jesus, had interacted with the Lord, and now he comes later and he missed that episode. So all of a sudden, verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were again inside the house and Thomas was with them and Jesus came through the doors that had been barred and stood among them and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and put your hand in the place in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Verse 28, Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen, do you now believe? Blessed are they who did not see me and yet believed. So this is no doubt an incredible, an incredible account of the resurrection of our Lord. Um, Coming back interacting with his disciples, interacting with those that were on the road to Emmaus, um, telling them and reminding them of the things that he had said before he had been crucified. Now there's a whole um, revival taking place of people that are coming across the Lord and having an interaction with him. So for a lot of people, 
These things are miraculous and marvelous, but they're not real to our lives who live um, at the last days, uh, the end times. Uh, how does Jesus coming back alive back then have to do with me now? Do we celebrate the resurrection as a historical event? The answer is yes, because up until that point, no man had come back from the grave. The power was so magnificent that the Bible says that it proved that everything he said merited our attention. That means he was talking about things we did not know, and then he was able to conquer death and the grave. And so he becomes the author of life. And in his authorship of this life that he introduced that is more powerful than anything we've ever seen upon the earth, now a lot of people are disassociated with that power. As we read the apostles' letters that come afterwards, listen what Paul says in Ephesians 2.1, where he says, and you, talking about the believers, he made alive when you were spiritually dead. He made alive when you were dead in your sins. So here's what I want to say, that the power of the resurrection is not just a historical event, but it's a power that resides in those who believe, causing them to come out of death. Now, a lot of people says, well, I haven't died yet. Maybe when I end my life, then this message will become even more powerful. No, see, you're already dead and you don't know it. There's a lot of things dying in your life. Um, I could, I could, wherever we go to do a men's conference, I could tell the men at these men's conference, if your marriage has died, raise your hand, and all the people will raise your hand. Now, in this particular church, we can say this, if your marriage was dead and resurrected, raise your hand. And look at all the hands that are here. Raise your hand proud. You know that you saw that thing die, breathe its last, and be buried, and here you are, honeymoon time, with your wife. And what is that? That's the power of resurrection. And so in that same manner, there's people that are sitting here and God extended to them the power of resurrection, but their marriage died anyways. And so that is a travesty. Because in a place where God has the power of resurrection, you drove your marriage to the tomb. Your marriage became demised even while you were sitting at church trying to celebrate Easter, Resurrection Sunday, the power of a new life, yet it didn't reach your marriage. And, and I want to say that just as that is eventfully true and, and becomes the cause of so many children to leave the faith because they come from households that say they celebrate and experience the resurrection and the marriages die, the relationship with your children, your sons and your daughters die, the relationship with your ministry dies. I was reading one of the verses that, that is super sad here in Revelations 3, where he says, you go around celebrating that you're alive, but you're dead. And so this becomes the relationship that we have with many of the things that are supposed to live in our lives, and they're completely non-existing. Revelations 3 verse 1, 
This is the letter written to one of the churches in the book of Revelations. And the angel says to the church in Sardis, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. So here is the travesty of our day that we have a faith that is alive and we're practicing rituals of death in eggs and bunnies. And that's an indictment to the very fact that we're celebrating Jesus coming back from the grave. And being able to tap into this, I want to suggest that, that John 10.10 10 is our understanding that the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The works of the devil are works of death or dead works, the Bible says. But Jesus has come that you might have life and that you might have it in a greater expression using the word abundance. I asked the Lord, Lord, how could you have more than life? And he says, I've given you more than life so that you could give life away to others that are dead. Because we think about everything just coming in our direction. No, God gives more that you can share with others. And so there, I want to suggest that just like there's the power of resurrection to, to bring a new manner of living. And there's no greater feeling than the things that live and thrive and are abundant and there's no greater loss than those things that diminish, disintegrate, and die. I think that this year, we've had several experiences of seeing people that are no longer here. And I want to suggest that that is the definition of death. It's separation. So when we're talking about the power of resurrection, it's not separation, it's unity. It's a unity of oneness that shows a life that is powerful. That's why there's no greater witness upon the earth than a husband and a wife that are having revival in their marriage. When you're at that point, my friend, you know that that life is not coming from you. It's not coming from your wife. There's a power operating there, and it's beautiful because it's a repellent to what's happening around us. Where a thousand are falling at our left, ten thousand are falling at our right, but that corruption is not falling upon us. And I'll tell people all the time, my marriage of 28 years is still in honeymoon revival mode because of the power of his resurrection, because of the goodness of God. And not only because of that, but because in our mouths, God has deposited the power of resurrection where we don't curse at each other. We don't, we don't offend each other because that only will cause a separation and a division in our house. So the power of resurrection is not only that we've been made alive, and that's what he says here, Ephesians 2.1, you've been made alive. Now, everything you do is a choice of life or death even though you call yourself a Christian. There's, a, there's an expression of separation and distancing yourself. The definition of death is to separate, to cause to separate. That's not the power that's operating in us. 
What's operating in us is a unity. The evidence of God's presence and power in our lives is that it's an indestructible life. Your marriage is not going to fall apart. Your family is not going to fall apart. Your finances are not going to fall apart. Your ministry is not a ministry that says spring of life and then no one is living. There has to be evidence of the power of God's presence here in our midst. And he says these words in verse 2. You once walked following the ways of the world, influenced by this present age. You're, you're not walking anymore in the trends and fashions of this world because I don't know, I just heard Jennifer Lopez has her sixth engagement ring. What's that mean? There hasn't been a marriage. There ha there's no power to keep that thing together. Ben Affleck, run for your life. Because unless you have the power of the resurrection, you have not the substance to put that thing together. You don't know how to think. You don't know how to speak. So the power of the resurrection is that we no longer walk according to the course of this world. Because this world is moved by the prince of the power of air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedient. I wish I had a daughter for every Christian who calls himself a Christian but chooses disobedience. In other words, I'm surprised that people do not want to walk in the direction of godly counsel. What's, what does God want for my life? What does God want for my family? What does God want for my children? There is where the evidence of the power of resurrection lies. Not in disobedience. He continues on to say, this power of disobedience is in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan. Verse 3, amongst unbelievers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Um, there's a, a, a word called corruption. The other synonym to this word is rottenness. There, there are things in every direction that could cause rottenness to come in to your very bones. And he says, these caused us to desire the flesh and the mind and were by nature children of wrath. There, there's all manner of filth that is it, it's, it's, it's mixed up in this death walk. I call it a death style. Oh, you don't agree with my lifestyle? No, you don't have a lifestyle because what you're doing doesn't end up in life. You have a death style. You have an unfruitful relationship. You have a sterile and barren existence. In what? In everything where the power of resurrection is not manifest. If you don't invite and that's why Paul said these words in Philippians 3.10. He says that I might know the power, the sufferings of the cross, but also the power that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That I might identify with his sufferings and being conformed to his death. What's that mean? Bringing an end to everything that's not bringing life. 
You get to constantly in every crossroad of life, he says, choose life that you might live. And so it's thought life, it's word life, it's your conduct life, it's, it's how you depict what's happening in your friendships. Well, pastor, I have no friends. I said, no, duh, because you don't have the power of that resurrection in your relationships. And so he says to us, and I have the verse here because I think it's powerful, needs to re be repeated, that if you want your relationships to, die, to live, you need to die. And not a lot of people are willing to die and, 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 and put away their selfishness. John 15, 13. He says, no greater love is this. Greater love has no one than this that you lay down your life for your friends. You don't have friends because it's all about you. And I want to suggest today to welcome the power of resurrection to stop living contrary to life. I, it doesn't feel good to lose a friend. But when all the ingredients and the cultivated disposition of a distancing yourself, that's proof there is no life. There is no power of resurrection. And so God teach us in every which way what he's talking about here, saying that some by nature only will be recipients of God's wrath. Verse 4, Ephesians 2, 4, he says, but God being rich in mercy. These two elements of rich in mercy and great in love. These two elements are the expressions of the power of resurrection at work. It's moving in the direction of mercy and love that causes, verse 5, even when we were dead, and there it uses the word separated, the amplified even when we were dead and we're trampling these principles we were we were moving fast and furious in the direction of devastation and ruin he made us alive together with christ he made us alive so now my thoughts work differently now my words work differently now my life witnesses something different and then he says like this, when we were dead and separated in our sins, he made us alive together in Christ to receive his undeserved favor and mercy. And when you start living this new life and you walk away from death, the Bible says there in verse 6 that you will be raised up. This power raises you up to the top. You're not sinking to the bottom. One of the things about being a bottom dweller is that they eat all the dead stuff that's at the bottom of the ocean. And so here he's made us alive and well and made us to sit in high places, heavenly places where Christ is seated. And so in that regard, we begin to experience life way above every obstacle 
that happens to those that are dead. Romans 8 verse 5, he explains it like this. For those who are living according to the flesh, to the corruption, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who are living according to the spirit now have a different measure to set their minds on the spirit. It says in verse 6, now the mind in the flesh is death. When you're carnally minded, when you think things that are not God's things, it ends up in death. There are so many Christians that live in this realm. They come to church. I just told you when I introduced the pastors, when you come up to these men, don't talk about the Kardashians. Don't talk about earthly things. Don't talk about statistics and, and baseball. Don't talk about the economy and cryptocurrency because these men have words of life. They're not, they're not in an atmosphere that's not conducive to lifting you up. To be carnally minded is to keep you down. But to be spiritually minded produces life and peace. When you're moving in the power of the resurrection, you're experiencing a whole other level of life. That's why people don't understand us. Whenever we see these marriages that have been restored in this place, I, I use the term, they're divorce proof. Why? Because in the spirit of God, there is no divorce. Why? Because God hates divorce. That's not a lifestyle. It's a death sentence. It's a separation. The Bible says a house divided will not prosper. So he raises up in that manner and give us not a life of the mind in the flesh, but a mind in the spirit. And then it continues on to say, verse 7, the mind of the flesh is entirely hostile. It's a enemy against God. It doesn't agree with God. It doesn't find pleasure in doing God's will, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor will it ever. It can be. Verse 8, but the mind of the spirit, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. They're here. The churches are replete. Today especially. Somebody said yesterday, today are, is the church service for the CEOs of Christianity. They, I said, what was CEO? Christmas and Easter only. They only come to church those two days. They're CEO Christians. But see, the life of the resurrection and that power is not residing in them because they cannot please God. They don't live to put God as a priority. They, they are fulfilling the lust of the flesh. You can't bear a life in the power of the spirit if you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh. He continues on to say in verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh. You're not controlled by the desires of the flesh, but the spirit. Now listen what he says here. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, if anyone have not the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to God. He could go to church. He could even be at a Easter celebration, Resurrection Sunday celebration. But how sad it would be that you're sitting there trying to understand what this is all about and you're not enjoying the resurrected life that enjoy, allows you to enjoy your marriage, allows you to enjoy your children, uh, allows you to enjoy your grandchildren when they show up. 
It allows you to know what to do with your finances because your finances are not trapped to the hoarding of self-greed. Because anybody who's in that cannot thrive and flourish. Because a life in the power of the Spirit is giving. Better to give than to receive. And that, for a flesh person, is crazy. The more I retain, the more I have. No, my friend. The more you give, the more God pours out. That's a life in the Spirit. Of which many of you guys are still in a death style. Because you haven't been visited. The power of the resurrection is not in your finances yet. So it's incredible. The more I give, the more God gives. And the more he bestows. And the more that's available. But, but a p- person that, that is in the flesh, they will not thrive. They will not flourish. Um, in the natural, when, when people go see a psychiatrist and they're stripped with great depression, they, they, they have deep, deep-seated sorrow in their soul. And these, these men who have learned mental health and mental illness, the first demonstration that they will tell any of their clients is find some way that you do something for somebody they tell you that they're not even christians but they say that the happiest people in the world are the people that are constantly serving others these are the people that you can't stop serving even if you don't pay them they're serving james three sixteen says the power of death resides in every selfish thought in every self-seeking ambition. When you're self-seeking, when you're not thriving in the power of the resurrection, all that exists is confusion and every evil spirit is there. You want to be consumed by demons, continue to distance yourself from the power of the spirit. And so my friends have told me, What do I need to do because I'm about to lose my children to suicide? And I will mention this verse here, that whenever I see something that is walking in chaos, and there's a verse that says every wicked demon is present. When you're walking in self-seeking existence, when you're a selfish pig, you're a magnet to every demon in hell. Because that's the nature of Satan. That's the worship. He says, I will raise my throne up above. I will sit above God. I will mount up above. He says, I, I think it was that song. I will, I will, I will. It was all about him. And that's the most miserable existence. I want to suggest that person needs an experience with Resurrection Sunday needs to choose life, needs to move in the power of his spirit. He continues on to say, verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh. Romans 8, 9. The, The distinguishing factor of coming here to celebrate Resurrection Sunday is not having the Easter bunny in the lobby so you could take a picture with him. The manifestation of Resurrection Sunday is that you might come in 
to a life where you're not speaking destructive words because you're hurting your relationships. How come nobody likes me? You don't celebrate anybody. You, you're a critique. You're, you bring the worst out in people when you've been called to bring out the best. You can't have a relationship. I often think of people who lose important relationships. And I wonder, wow, everything was done. And, and this, is, this is God. He says, what else do I have to do to repair the relationship with my creation and myself? He says that often. I wanted to bring you in like a hen under my wings covers its chicks, but you didn't. You refused. I wanted to quench your thirst, and you walked away from me with your own pot that's full of holes saying you didn't need me. And God is blown away by the fact that he arrives to join his heart with you, to give you life. He's the author of life. Everything in this book concerns life. And you say, no, thank you. I'm not interested. I'm occupied in another relationship, in other affairs. One mother, while we were youth pastors many years ago, she brought me her son. And he was suicidal. And I sat in front of him. I said, look, this book here called the Bible, the Holy Bible, has another name. It's called the Book of Life. And this young man grew up in a Christian school, so he knew what I was talking about. And I set the Bible before him as a youth pastor, and he was suicidal, wanting to do away with his life. And I said, in this book of life, what are the things that you're doing that are contrary to what is written here? When the Bible says for you to do one thing, you do another. And he says, pastor, everything the Bible says not to do, I'm doing. And everything the Bible tells me to do, I'm not doing. So I said to him, so my friend, your thoughts are consistent with the life you've chosen. You're not living according to the book of life. You conduct yourself according to the book of death. You're not going to be fruitful. You're not going to flourish. You're not going to blossom. A lot of people, my sons included, are invited. Why, why don't you think outside of this book? Why don't you just grow greater in your capacity to experience other things? I don't need to. He who has the son has the life. He who has not the son has not the life. So I don't have to be invited in a direction where there's death on every side. I'm going to press in, like Paul says, that I might know him and be more intimate with the power of resurrection. Watch this. In my thoughts, I don't want to have one thought in my brain that's going to lead me to death. The wages of sin are death. If, if, if I speak words that are improper, I want a new language. Lord, change my words. If my heart's disposition is full of thoughts that are not your thoughts, Take them out of my heart, Lord. Get, if I'm, I'm going to take a step in the direction of something that pleases not God, that, that leads not to life. Where it says, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. The book of Proverbs is full of that. So here we are invited today, and possibly God was faithful in answering our prayer. I was to get this off my chest that you might understand what we're celebrating today. 
not only a historical event of power and glory, but a today, the power and the glory to live abundantly for God in every direction. I want, I want to experience what it means to not be controlled by the flesh, that the spirit of God lives in us. Verse there, Romans 8, 9, however, you're not living in the flesh by the sinful nature, but in the spirit that lives in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit, he does not belong to God. He is not a child of God. If Christ lives in you, through though your natural body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit, verse 11, this is a powerful verse. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead also lives in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. There's something working through our lives. A lot of people are like, well, how do you guys live like that? Listen, it's the power of his resurrection. We have decided to follow Jesus. I have a favorite song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back this whole matter of choosing to experience this life is unregrettable I can tell you I can tell you it's a powerful life that allows things to live at one point many of his disciples decided not to follow him no more this is happening in our day and time John 6 66 the result of his words caused many of his disciples to abandon him. No longer walk with him. This is the saddest verse in the Bible. I always remember it because it's 666, the sign of the devil. In the Gospel of John, 666 says that many who were following him and knew him decided not to continue. And so verse 67, he turns back and he asked the 12, do you want to depart also? How many know that this is not imposed upon us? Nobody's making me be a Christian, and I'm not going to make anybody be a Christian. This is not an imposition. We're not, this is not a willful obligation. You better do what I say. No, my friend, you can choose to follow Christ, and you can choose to abandon him. God have mercy upon you if you do the latter. And when he turns to the twelve, because many had stopped following him at that point because of the intensity of his words, he turns to the 12 and says, do you want to abandon me also? Do you want to go away? And listen to the words of his followers in verse 68. Simon Peter answered, Lord, where will we go? In what direction could we find what we have found in you? You alone have words. Of eternal life you alone have the recipe to understand how to come against every challenge we face here upon the earth I am done you have been served with the goodness of the Lord this morning and and I want to encourage you now that you have the word that you move in the direction where things flourish in greater capacity that you understand that in this world some people have chosen death they kill their wife I, I know a woman right now she's dying for her husband to die so she could inherit his fortune 
like, come on, honey, eat more pork. More pork rinds for you. She's, she's killing the man. And, and she's married to him. But having the choice to choose life, they choose death. Having the desire to become greater in their walk with the Lord, they don't walk with the Lord. Their mind is set on destruction and ruin. And guess what? They pass it to their children. There, there are people whose very life has caused them grave sorrow and destruction. And instead of choosing life, they continue to give their children a death style. Because they don't choose Christ. That's not their reality. That's not their priority. That's not their pursuit. So thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this word. And we have celebrated Resurrection Sunday. John eleven twenty five. Jesus constantly regarded himself. I am the resurrection and the life. He was constantly reaching out to give this reality to those who would believe. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Those are powerful words. John 12, 24, Surely I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. If you don't die to your selfishness, you won't come in to the things he has for you in the power of his resurrection. But if it dies, it produces much more grain and yields a harvest that's glorious, that's phenomenal. I'm, I'm so thankful to God for this word today because for years we have come here and we have said that we're Christians and we have said that we're going to celebrate resurrection but at the time of crucial decisions and words, the time of thoughts and actions that produce life, we have moved towards death. So there Colossians 3, 5 says, so therefore begin to put to death the members of your self-centeredness and sensual existence, your impurity, your evil desires, all these things are idolatry. And the wrath of God, verse 6, is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in these sins you once walked when you were habitually living in them, verse 7. Verse 8, but now rid yourself of a life in a death style, anger, rage, malice, slander, obscene words, vulgar filth. Do not deceive one another. For you have put off the old self and its evil practices and put on the new self, continually being renewed in the truth and in the knowledge of him who created us, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or free, but Christ in all, and in all so believers are equal without distinction. We have come to this day and I believe that we can understand a little bit more about what it means to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Let us stand together.
There's no doubt that from this day, some of you are going to be blossoming and flourishing and choosing that life above the life of the flesh and carnally minded. See, see, you no longer could say, well, how come some people God restores their marriage and others he doesn't? How come God restores some families and others he doesn't? How come some parents and their sons get along and their daughters and others don't? I want to suggest it's the power of the resurrection. There's a choice that these people have made to be deliberate and intentional about seeking the life of God above every other expression. Our family line is very unusual because we come from a line of a lot of learned, intellectual, and, and people that have been able to accomplish great things in the earth, and I have decided that that's all trash. You can't do that in, in the normal existence because that's what we know, that's what's in our bloodline, that's what we have been given, but I choose that our generation would be the first generation that flourishes in the spirit, in the power of this life in the spirit. So if you talk to my wife, if you talk to my children, you'll see that there's an apparent substance of influence and honor that we bestow spiritual things above natural things. And at one point, I remember some years ago, some person said, oh, you should be the mayor of Miami. You should run for office. You should go and network and get to know people so that you can, and I'm like, he who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will have it to life eternal, to levels that far surpass. I, mean, I can tell you, I chose a life in the spirit and not a life in the flesh. A life in the spirit is a contradiction to everything you see on TV and on the newspapers. They're not going to celebrate it. But this house has decided to embrace the power of the resurrection and to choose a life in the spirit. And our children would rather be worshiping their God, knowing that he will exalt them, he will promote them, than to chase the world like the Gentiles do. I'm telling you, as for me and my house, there's no bunny rabbits and there's no colored eggs. We're going to hang on to a living Christ. And we want to be closer and closer to him each day. Bow your heads with me. Father, you know the suffering that comes from not having this life. You know the corruption and the rottenness to such an extent that we want to bury, put six foot under and forget the stench of living a life that's frail, that's sick, that has no promise. But today we desire to celebrate the resurrection. We desire today to look into these matters, not as religion, not as rituals, not as the traditions of men, but that in every area of our life where we are not crucifying the flesh, and denying the expressions of the pleasures of self, we know that hidden in Christ is the power of life, unfettered and fruitful. I pray that this message would just be more than words, but there would be an impartation that would spur us in the direction of the power that gave us victory over the grave and over death. You paid the price, now allow us to perceive it as our inheritance. And allow us this to be a lifeline that we share with others as we speak 
on the day that we visited the grave and you were no longer there. That we not move in that direction of death and rottenness, but life and peace. Be glorified. Bless the families in this church and those that watch this message over live stream media. We pray, Father God, that they would tap in not to religion, but into the reality of knowing you and walking with Christ. The power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, amen, amen, amen. For those of you, for those of you, I know we have a lot of visitors today that have not received Christ. I, I want to encourage you, and, and I want the church to know this. Um, at the beginning of the church being born, a lot of people would bring their family and friends to church, and they said, man, this is the only chance they're going to get to get to heaven. Please, please, please lead them to the Lord. Listen, I want to lead them to the Lord, but I want you to lead them to the Lord. So um, we're going to continue to be open for visitors and guests, but long before they get here, you should lead them to the Lord. And you should say the sinner's prayer with them. And you should say, I want to give you the best gift anybody will give you. It's eternal life. If you confess with your heart, uh, if you believe in your heart and confess with your sins, you're going to be saved. So lead them in that prayer. Um, and, and it's super important that they not think that they have to come to church to get saved. Okay? Uh, I didn't get saved at church. Uh, I got saved way before when somebody led me to the Lord in a one-on-one -on -one prayer. So let's keep our mind on that thing. And, and before the day's over, make sure that your loved ones have an opportunity to receive Christ. God bless you.